Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Settles. I thank you so much for taking some time out uh, to join us on this podcast episode. We are now in season two, and today we're on episode six. It's hard to believe this this season's moving along as fast as it is, but uh, I've enjoyed uh, discussing these topics with some good brethren over the past few weeks. I hope that these episodes have been encouraging uh, to you. Today, we have another special guest, and we have Chase Green with us. Uh, Chase and I went to the Memphis School of Preaching together, and we've kept in contact ever since, and so I'm looking forward to having him on the show. And at this time, I want to turn things over to Chase and let him introduce himself. All right. I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, like you said, I'm Chase Green. I am 30 years old. My wife is Lindsay, and we have three kids, Andrew, who's five, Amelia, who's two, and we just had Mariah, who is three weeks old. So um, that's been been a wonderful blessing in our lives and still in that adjustment phase with uh, <laughs> moving from two kids to three kids. I know you're oh, yeah. familiar with that. <laughs> yes, with- sir. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. That has been an adjustment, but we're doing well. And another adjustment is we just moved to a new work. So you're familiar with that too, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yep. So um, I was preaching at the Beacon Church of Christ back in my home area in West Monroe, Louisiana. But now I'm preaching for the Marietta Church of Christ in Marietta, Oklahoma. So not Marietta, Georgia, uh, Marietta, Oklahoma. (laughs) I am a 2017 graduate. Of the, of the Memphis School of Preaching. So I was one year ahead of you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I remember about you, Drew, is you're real down to earth and just kind of a laid back country guy, kind of like me. And <laughs> I really appreciated you. And we had a lot of t- a lot of fun uh, playing sports, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> I'm sure I miss yeah. those days. Yeah, I do too. I don't ever get to do it anymore. Exactly. Baseball, <laughs> football, and basketball, that was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. I, uh, before I went to Memphis School of Preaching, I was in uh, biology, and I graduated from Louisiana Tech in 2013, and a week later, got married, and so I wasn't wasting any time home now, (laughs) and um, there's an interesting story regarding biology and uh, Louisiana Tech and some other things. I might mention kind of my story a little bit in coping, something that I kind of deal with in my life. So uh, I might mention that a little bit. I really appreciate you being on today. And uh, I know, we, we, like you said, we do have a lot in common. Most importantly, we share the, the, the same drive to study the Word of God and share it with others. And that's why I'm, I'm excited to have you on today. Uh, I've always appreciated uh, your study and uh, the way that you, you know, love the Word. And, and I know that we enjoyed Memphis together, even though it was difficult at times. Uh, I know that we're both glad that we went through it. One more thing, uh, Drew. Yeah, go ahead. Podcast that I have as well. The yes, yes. And uh, we're in season two as well on that one. Just started, so um, it's available on Apple Podcasts and Podbean, and I think it's on Spotify. I at least tried to get it on there. I know how to check. I know. Yeah, I know how that goes. Um, there's there's two or three everyday Christian podcasts. It's, it's a yeah. popular name, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> mine's the one with the the white background and like a like a light greenish bluish uh, microphone on it. So that's right. Look for that, uh, especially an Apple podcast. That's usually what I listen to it on. So on all the various uh, podcasts that I listen to, for sure. And I appreciate the podcast. Uh, it's very very good. 
Well, thank you very much. And I, I apologize for forgetting to mention that. Uh, right. Almost every guest I've had this season has a podcast of their own. And I, I definitely try to mention that to our listeners. But again, that's yeah. Everyday Christian. Chase's podcast, he, as he mentioned, he's in season two as well. And so a lot of us are realizing uh, you know, the importance of being able to spread the word any way that we can. And podcasts are very popular. So we're trying to use the tools that you know God has blessed us with to his glory. So Appreciate Chase and his podcast. Again, that's Everyday Christian. And as he mentioned, you can find that wherever you find your podcast. And so as we begin this episode, we mentioned our topic is going to be weathering the storm by coping. And we want to begin this like we've been doing every episode by defining our terms. And so, Chase, what does it mean to cope? Well, I would say very simply, it's just dealing with the difficulties of life. Yeah. To use a baseball analogy, Sometimes you get the fastball, and those are easier to hit. And sometimes you get the curveball, and that yeah. throws you for doesn't it? Good point, yeah. And so, basically, life is not always easy. It can get difficult, and it may be financial problems. It may be health problems. It may be uh, difficulties in our relationships. Um, might lose a job. Uh, there's all sorts of things. Uh, the, the economy crashes like we were scared it was going to a few months ago and mm-hmm. still many people are kind of worried about it there's there's a lot going on uh the the pandemic i you can just about guarantee nobody uh come new year's this past year would have thought what was going to happen this year happened but it did yes that's right we've got to cope with it we've got to be able to to uh take it one day at a time and and just do the best we can with what what we've got that's right well, and that's, like you said, 2020 in and of itself has been a, a storm, as I've mentioned on previous episodes. And, and like you said, we're just – to cope is, is how you deal with it and how you attempt to overcome it. And, and you know, it, that's kind of the hand we've been dealt this year. And there's not much we could do about what's happened, but hopefully this episode will help our listeners because we're all going through this together, you know, in, in our own way. We're all having to, to face things. I found this definition to be pretty interesting uh, with coping. The first one was to deal with and attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. And the second one was to maintain a contest or combat, usually on even terms or with success. I thought that was pretty encouraging. Uh, So coping is not just dealing with it, but it carries the idea of dealing with it and coming out on the other side. Uh, And so that, spiritually speaking, that's what it's all about. Uh, We're going to face difficult times, but as Christians, if we have the right perspective and keep our faith where it needs to be, we can can come out on top. I think uh, hopefully this will be an encouraging topic to study today for our listeners. Absolutely. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmoving or immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We've got to keep that perspective in mind. It's... uh, it's, it's difficult at times, but we can get through whatever comes our way, and, and ultimately we look forward to heaven. That's right. Keeping that goal in, in front of us, and that will definitely help. And I, I appreciate that passage. That's one of my favorites. Absolutely. And so as we think about understand what it means to cope, again, it's how we deal with or how we attempt to deal with the different storms we face. Everybody deals with things in their own way. Everybody approaches a storm. Uh, in their own way. But Chase, for our listeners, what are some, maybe some healthy outlets that you use to cope with difficult situations? Right. So 
I've had difficult situations. You've had difficult situations. Um, everybody does. Yeah. And that's kind of the points I'm going to make here in a little bit. But I can remember the most difficult situation in my life was coming out of, of the biology program at Louisiana Tech. I had planned to be a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And that was my goal for as long as I can remember. That's what I wanted to do. So I got a, a scholarship from the Air Force to go to medical school and actually went to medical school for three and a half, four months, something like that in South Carolina. I got over there and it was apparent pretty quickly that I had made the wrong decision. Hmm. And I, I realized this isn't for me. I, there was just some things about it I didn't like. I didn't like being in in control, so to speak, of someone else's health. I just yeah. felt that weight and it's like, ooh, I don't like that. And um I don't know. There were some things about it, that and some other things I was just like, I am doing this for the wrong reasons. Hmm. So I made the very difficult decision to leave medical school. And one of the things that was absolutely crucial because I was absolutely distraught because everything I had worked for very hard was coming to an end and I didn't know what was going to happen. But one of the things that really helped me cope cope at that time was the church. Yeah. I, I had become a member of the Duncan church of Christ in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And they wrapped their arms around me and, and my newlywed wife at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just a strange world for us because we left Louisiana. We went several states away. We're like 11 hours from home. And we didn't know anybody. And they wrapped their arms around us. And uh, John Mitchell, he was the preacher there at that time. And I still am in contact to him with him today yeah. because he's one of my mentors and uh, he was just great. He, he invited us over for dinner and all those sorts of things. And, and other members there did as well. But the church definitely helped me cope with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were sad to know that, okay, um, we thought we were going to have this, this active young Christian couple with us now while, while I was in med school, but then I left, but they understood, but they also helped us. There were people who gave us, gave us money to help us with, with moving and, and it was just amazing. So the church definitely is something that we need to emphasize regarding coping. But I'll tell you this, God's providence worked out tremendously yeah. in my life. Um, I went home and I was waiting on the Air Force trying to de- determine if I was going to oh, just go be an Air Force officer somewhere. Hmm. And they gave me a call and they said, no, um, we don't have a slot for you anymore. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? And so I went and got a secular job for a while, but but then I ended up being a preacher's assistant, quote unquote, <laughs> with uh, the Beacon Church of Christ where, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I think I could do this someday. I really like this. Yeah. Ended up getting a secular job, but later on, someone approached me and said, hey, why don't you be the preacher? And so I was a interim preacher for a while and, and I loved it. And then I went to the Memphis School of Preaching and sure. uh, they helped me a lot financially to do that. And then I came back and preached for them for three years. And, and now I'm, I'm uh, embracing this new opportunity in Oklahoma. And I'll share this with you and, and with our listeners as well. Uh, I was in a similar situation, not as much as moving away, but when I left Freed Hardman, I graduated with a degree in kinesiology. I thought I was going to be a, 
physical therapist or a trainer or a coach. And that was my direction. And when I left college and Brittany and I were married shortly after, kind of like you and Lindsay were. Uh, and then two months later we found out, you know, now she's pregnant with Jackson. So we thought right. we're going to be married for a while. And now, yeah, well, and so that was, uh, that was a lot. So I had to get a job quick. Uh, and so I started working in a tire factory and I, and right. I remember being there working seven to seven, you know, and I was right. thinking, this is not what I went to college for, for four years. This is right. not what I had in mind. Uh, like you said, when you got there, you're just like, this is, this is not it, you know, yep. but I knew I just, I had to keep going and then hopefully something opened up. Well, then I met Jonathan Jenkins. who was a coworker of mine and Jonathan and I started having some religious discussions and about a year and a half later, he and his wife, Heather were baptized. And that night I decided I got to preach that there is nothing like being a part of that and bringing somebody to the Lord and, you know, playing that small part. And I, I was just on fire. And I told Brittany, I came home and I said, listen, I've got to preach. And she said, are you serious about it? I said, yeah. She said, all right, I'll start packing. Awesome. Turned my two weeks notice the next day. Uh, that was in June. And so in August, I started at Middle School of Preaching. Um, and then the next year, Jonathan Jenkins and Heather came to Memphis. So right. we got to go to school together for a year. And that was really, really awesome uh, to see that. Uh, but, you know, I, I wanted to work with sports. I always have. And now, down in South Georgia, I'm able to coach football and coach baseball and be around it. And it's just, like you said, it's amazing how God's providence works. It really <laughs> You go through life and you, you wonder what's going on, and then you just sit back one day and you say, wow, uh, he's carried me through all this. He's opened all these doors of opportunity for me. And, and I think those are ways that, that will help us cope with different storms. Just maybe sitting back, like you said, and just understanding God's in control of all of this. Uh, just stay faithful to him. The church will be there for you. Your brethren will be there to help you. Uh, and you can get through those difficult times. And when it's all said and done, you know, God's going to take care of you. And those moments, uh, seeing God's providence at work in your life, they really increase your faith. You, you are confident God has taken care of you. No, I mean, what you shared, it's like it, it fell in, in line perfectly. Yeah. I mean, even the timing of when preaching school starts. Oh, I know. It's amazing. God works things out, and he's going to take care of his people. And ultimately, that's how we as Christians can cope with the storms of life, keeping our faith and our trust in God. And so I appreciate you sharing that uh, with me and with our listeners. And I, who knows what people are facing? Maybe they face something similar. Maybe they feel like they're just uh, in a corner right now and nothing's going their way. They're just trying to find a way to cope. And so maybe these things that we're sharing will help our listeners in some way. And so now right. as we think about, you know, what this word cope means, we've defined it. We've talked about maybe some storms that we face and how we were able to cope with it. Now we want to go to the word of God and we want to look at some examples of those in scripture who will, who were able to cope after a storm or in some cases, multiple storms came their way. And by looking to, to these individuals, real people who face real problems, uh, hopefully we can be encouraged by that. And so the first example we want to look at is David. And Chase, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read through the scriptures, I don't know if anybody faced as many storms seemingly back to back to back like David did. I mean, you read through the Psalms and it's just, you can, you can hear the distress in his voice all of the time. 
And in my personal study, I've been reading through First uh, and Second Samuel, seeing the sequence of events with David and how he was just, it was one thing after the other. He's running from Saul at one moment. He's running from Absalom at one moment. And right in the thick of this, in Second Samuel chapter 11, we read about David who should have been out at battle, but instead he was in Jerusalem. He's at the wrong place. And then he looks at the woman Bathsheba. And he sees her, and he allows that lust to take over. But there was a problem with that. <laughs> of course, she had a husband, Uriah. Uh, so David tried to cover up one sin by having Uriah put on the front lines. He was killed. Now, it's all complicated because Bathsheba's pregnant with David's baby. So Nathan the prophet comes to David there in chapter 12 and says, You are the man. After telling that story about the lamb, David understands this, and he says, I've sinned. Nathan said, well, the Lord's forgiven you, but there's still going to be consequences. And as you go through that chapter, you see what's going to take place. And so as we think about David, we want to discuss how he was able to weather or cope with the storm of loss. So Chase, what comes to your mind? What things did, did David do to help him cope? One of my favorite sermons I've ever preached, um, and I used the King James on it, Thou yeah. art the man. Thou art the man, yep. I worked the man, and that was not a compliment, right? No, no. <laughs> he wasn't saying you the man. He was no. saying you are the man who who took that you lamb. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's from verses one through seven of Second Samuel twelve, mm-hmm. and in verses nine through ten, you talk about the consequences. It says, "Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in His sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword." Now, if you remember. David didn't directly kill Uriah. It's not like David was the one who, who uh, killed him with the sword or what have you. Mm-hmm. It was he sent him to the front lines of the battle and then had the enemy or had the uh, other soldiers withdraw. That's right. And so even though it wasn't direct, he was still guilty. He was the one who had that done. Yep. And I think it's a good uh, lesson for us to learn. Sometimes we do things indirectly, but they're still wrong. Yeah, good point. But, um, it says you have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house yeah. because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. He stole Bathsheba. Yeah, he did. From, from Uriah the Hittite. Yeah. And God says there's going to be consequences for that, for this. Mm-hmm. The sword is never going to depart from your house. You think about, like you said earlier, multiple storms yeah david is the definition of multiple storms because from this point on and really in other in earlier periods in his life with saul yeah there was one problem after another with adversaries coming mm-hmm. after him and in the psalms he mentions his adversaries often and they're yeah, surrounded but in verses 15 through 23 it's a very sad section of, of scripture yeah. his little son that he had with Bathsheba dies. In verse 23, he says, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Right. And the idea was David understood that one day he would die mm-hmm. and go to uh, the Hadean realm of, of the dead where his son was. Yeah. And so that, that was his only chance of seeing his little son again. That's it. And that is truly a poignant and, and sad moment in the life of David, and he had many. You mentioned Absalom. Mm-hmm. In Second Samuel 18, verse 33, David says, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, 
he was crying out because his son. And um, so that's not the only time that David lost a son. He was very acquainted with, with this heartache. But as far as, as coping is concerned, I'd like to turn to uh, Psalm 51, yeah. if you don't mind. No, Psalm 51, and if I can, I'll just read this very quickly. Okay. Psalm 51 is uh, written after Nathan had confronted him right. with that parable of the lamb. It says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Notice what the focus was on. Mm-hmm. The focus in David's prayer was on himself and how he had sinned. And he's repenting in this. He says in verse two, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Hyperbole there, of course. Right. He was not born a sinner as the Calvinists would say. Exactly. He's using hyperbole there. Yes. Uh, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, a cleansing agent, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He wants to be happy again, but you can't have true happiness apart from God. True happiness comes in in being right with the Lord. You look at what Solomon said as kind of an aside for a moment in Ecclesiastes. He looked for happiness in all the wrong places. But at the end of the day, in chapter 12, he says that the conclusion of the whole matter is to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty or the whole of man. That's right. That's what it's all about, to be right with God. In verse 8 here in Psalm 51, it says, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Verse 9, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David was was separated from God because of his sin. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 were separated from God because of sin. And he had to repent of that and be right with God again. Um, Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Again, that true joy and happiness in being saved, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. So the bottom line with David, I like to think, is he was a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. He made lots of mistakes, and we can read about those mistakes but we always read that he ends up making it right with God. He repents and turns back to God. That's right. And those are great thoughts. And Psalm 51 is one of my favorites. And I, and I believe that's the answer to why was David a man for God's own heart? How could he possibly be? I think Psalm 51 is the answer. He was penitent. 
And that song brings that out completely. And, and I think you pointed out, too, that, you know, David faced multiple storms of loss. He was well acquainted with loss, not, not just the loss of his sons, but the loss of his joy. And you mentioned that in verse 12. Restore to me the joy. That means he lost it. <laughs> he wanted right. to have it restored to him. And so David knew what it was like to face the storm of loss. How did he cope with it? Well, the only way that he knew how was to turn to the Lord. And you Absolutely. mentioned that in Psalm 51. And also, back in 2 Samuel 12, I find it when he understood what took place. He, he knew his son was going to die. Seven days there he's mourning. It says that he washed himself, <laughs> and he went and he worshiped. That is mind-boggling. How And I, I try to picture what I would do. I, I don't know that I would have that. Uh, I would hope I would, but I don't know I'm not in that situation. But David, where could he go? We sing the song, where could I go but to the Lord? That's how David coped with it. You know, like you mentioned, he can't come to me, I can go to him. That's a statement of faith that David made. And so how did David weather the storm of loss? How did he cope with it? By looking to the Lord and by keeping his faith there and understanding that he needed to have that relationship with God as strong as it could be. He knew that apart from that, like you said, that was a great, great statement that you made. There's no true joy apart from God. David knew that. He said, if I'm going to get through this, I've got to do it with God's help. And so to our listeners today, if you're facing a storm of loss and you're wondering how you can cope with it, look at the example of David. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, and he'll carry you through it. And so those are some great thoughts from you on David there, and much more could be said for sure, but we do want to move on to our second example, and that's the example of Jeremiah. Uh, now, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Uh, he, he was a man, you know, he was acquainted with, with grief and sorrow, but the storm that we want to focus on is the storm of discouragement. You read the book of Lamentations. Uh, it's a, a funeral, you know, for, the, for God's people. It's what you right. have in Lamentations. And just to read that and to think about what Jeremiah was, was seeing, seeing the city just being plundered and how sad it made him. But Jeremiah, in his own ministry, felt so discouraged. And at times you read it and you think, look at all Jeremiah's going through. And it's only human nature that he wanted to throw the towel in, you know. And when we come to Jeremiah chapter 20, he opens up about that. He opens up about his discouragement. But we also know that he was able to overcome it. So, Chase, how was Jeremiah able to cope with the storm of discouragement? Well, the first thing I would notice about Jeremiah in this context in chapter 20, pertaining to us as preachers, you and me and other preachers that might be listening to this, We've all been there. Right. And when he says in verse nine, uh, that was one of my favorite verses that we memorized at Memphis because yes. I knew, okay, I'm going to face a moment like this at some point. Yeah. I had, I had preached a little bit before Memphis and I knew I faced some moments like that mm -hmm. at a time. But he says, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my, my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. In other words, he had to get it out. Yeah. Jeremiah was inspired and uh, he had to get that inspired word to the people. He, he could not contain it. That's right. Well, we're not inspired today, but we have the inspired word of God for sure. And we better not contain, uh, contain it. We have yeah. to get it out there. We have to preach the word. And, and Paul tells us we have to be instant in season, out of season. 
whether right. people want to hear it or not, we've got to preach it. So I think about some of the things that Jeremiah faced and in verses seven and eight there in chapter 20, two times it says he was in derision. How often? Daily. Yeah. Now I can relate to Jeremiah, but I can't relate that much right. because I've never been in derision daily, No. but Jeremiah was. Yeah. So that gives me and you hope that if he could still preach the truth in these circumstances, then so could we. Amen. Just a, a very brief synopsis of some, some of the things that he went through. He saw firsthand, uh, like you mentioned with Lamentations, he saw firsthand the destruction of Jerusalem, yeah. which a, a city that he loved. He saw it when the Babylonians came and mm-hmm. destroyed it in 586 B.C. Uh, the people refused to listen to him. Yeah. They were um, blinding themselves from the truth, and they were not able to, to blush, he says in a couple of passages. He was beaten and put in stocks. Uh, they pronounced a, a death sentence upon him at, at one point. Yep. They threw him into a pit of mud. Uh, in Jeremiah 38, verse 6, I want to read that one. Okay. Jeremiah 38, verse 6 says, So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire, just a a muddy clay, a mess. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. That has to be one of the lowest points in Jeremiah's life. I know it would be a low point in my life, for sure. But just as we pointed out in verse 9 of uh, Jeremiah 20, he kept going. He kept preaching, even when he felt like he could not do it anymore. And I can understand that. But in verse 13, I like this. He says, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of of the evildoers. We need to remember that singing and praising God in worship, whether it be collective worship or whether it be our individual devotions, mm-hmm. yes, God has commanded us to do that, and so we should do it just because he commanded it, but it's also for our good too. Oh, yeah. It lifts our spirits. That's right. it, it, it helps us through, and uh, I think they've even done scientific studies that proves how beneficial singing is. Yeah. So, he, he told us to do that for our own good. And Jeremiah understood that. And he said, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. And in the second half of that verse, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. Again, Jeremiah kept the proper perspective. Yes, he did. He understood, even in all the terrible things he was facing, he knew that ultimately God delivers the righteous from the hand of the evildoers. Maybe in this life, but certainly in the next life. And I think, you know, you mentioned all those different things that Jeremiah faced, and and yet for him to say, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, in the midst of that, how much more should we, you know, we're not facing anything like he did. <laughs> like you right. said, it's, if, he could, if he could sing in a time of discouragement, then certainly we can too. Uh, you triggered a thought when you said that. I thought about Paul and Silas, Acts 16. They're in prison. What are they doing? They're singing. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so yeah, during a time of discouragement, that's something you can do. And so 
Jeremiah, much like David, you know, David faced a storm of loss. What did he do? He turned to God. Jeremiah said, I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to God's word. Even though people are mocking me, people are not listening to me, I'm going to keep preaching. You know, the number one reason why preachers stop preaching is discouragement. Not feeling appreciated uh, and letting that get to them. But we can't do that. Uh, Like you said, we, we have a great responsibility to preach the word. And Jeremiah understood that. And so to our listeners who, who may be gospel preachers, if you're going through a rough patch right now, and I know this year has been discouraging, we've had to preach to cameras. We've had to do a little bit more with tech stuff that we didn't have to do before. It, it can get, it can get you know, pretty tough. Not having the brethren with you, coming to an empty building and preaching on Sunday morning, that, that can be discouraging. But use this example of Jeremiah to keep going. And to those who are listening who are not preachers, maybe you're facing discouragement Uh, as Chase opened up talking about financial distress or marital, whatever the problems you're facing, we can look to this example and say, even when you're down in the muck and the mire, not literally like Jeremiah, but just the way that life comes at you, you can still praise the Lord through that, knowing that he's going to take care of, he's going to carry you through that. And so those two examples, David and Jeremiah, they certainly faced storms. David with the storm of loss and Jeremiah with the storm of discouragement. They both handled it the right way. They both maintained the proper perspective by looking to the Lord and, and never giving up on him. And so now we, we come to our third example. And we're going to look at the example of a man by the name of Hezekiah. And as you study the kings, you know that there were good kings far few between. <laughs> we can read about right. you know a few like Josiah comes to mind who didn't follow in the steps of his father and grandfather who you know took a stance and every once in a while it's very refreshing as you read through these accounts to come across a king who was trying to do the right thing and, and I believe Hezekiah for the most part was and so here we come to second Kings chapter 20 and what we have here is Hezekiah facing the storm of death and I know that's a, a, a difficult concept to grasp uh, as preachers and Chase I don't know about you but I've preached a lot of funerals. Preaching a funeral during this pandemic has been extremely difficult because loved ones can't come and hug each other. Uh, Everybody's distance out. And it's very, very strange to preach a funeral in in these times. You know, we have loved ones who have passed on or those who might be struggling or or brethren, you know, who, who have had to face death. And so this is a real thing, a real storm that we face. And so we come to this example of, of Hezekiah. So what jumps out to you from this text and how Hezekiah, how was he able to cope with this storm of death that was approaching? So, uh, again, this is Second Kings 20, verses 1 through 3. He uh, receives an alarming prophecy from Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And the prognosis is not good. And he, he just says in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Sometimes we receive bad prognosis prognoses uh, in life. It may be us. It may be a friend uh, or a loved one. And we've got to be able to cope with that. And the best way to cope with that is we've got to know that we have assurance of, of eternal life in the next life. That is how you cope. He says in verse two, 
Then he, that is Hezekiah, turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. He's turning to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Sometimes we men, we like to be macho, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't like to cry. Um, we certainly don't like to weep. Yeah. But that's a normal response. Yeah. That is grief. Yeah. And when we lose a loved one, um, we're going to grieve. Yeah. Some of us grieve in different ways. In fact, we all grieve in different ways. Right. Some people are more stoic. Some people are very outward um, emotion, emotional, right. and, and everybody knows it. But everybody grieves differently, and, and we don't need to uh, give people a hard time about how they're grieving a loss right. sure. like this. Hezekiah was a man, but he wept bitterly. Yes, he did. And he thought he was going to die very soon. But he turned to the Lord, he prayed, and he put it in God's hands. Now, what do we know about bad prognoses as far as uh, our, our, our health? A lot of times they're right. Yeah. You've got six months to live. A lot of times it's, you know, five or six, seven months and, and that's it. And, and someone passes away. But we also know what? Sometimes it's not that way. That's true. Sometimes the doctors are wrong. So we need to leave it in God's hands. We need to pray. We need to trust his will. Don't lose hope. Um, even if you're facing something like this. And if you're a Christian, you have every reason to remain hopeful. Hezekiah, and I, I think the language there is just really powerful. He turned... He prayed. And then what what do we find in verse 5? God says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. Man, that's beautiful language. God heard him, but the the language there, I've seen your tears. You know, God God hears us when we cry out to him. Those tears are not just falling. You know, God's, God's listening. God sees what you're going through. And so someone that's listening today might be facing this storm. Might be a real storm that you're facing. Maybe a loved one's gotten this virus, and they already had some health issues, and now they realize uh, they don't have much time left. What do you do? How do you how do you cope with that? Well, again, and I appreciate what you said. You know, let people grieve in their own way. It's different for everybody. But if we can share this with our listeners, looking at this example. When a difficult time comes, turn and pray to God. You know, keep your faith as strong as it can be. So when that time does come, it's not the first time you've gone to God, if you know what I'm saying. You you've, you continue that. You put that into practice every day, and that will build your strength and build your faith where it needs to be. And so Hezekiah is just one of those examples. And I've, I remember when I was doing local work in Nashville, Tennessee, one of the members there, he, he passed away. It wasn't long after I started the work. And I was visiting with him one time, and he said, I've prayed the Hezekiah prayer many times. I'd never heard that language before. But what he meant was, you know, he knew he didn't have long, and he had turned to God and prayed. So in, in all three of these examples, we see the same pattern. David faced a storm of loss. How did he cope? He turned to God. Jeremiah faced a storm of discouragement. How did he cope? He turned to God. Hezekiah faced a storm of death. How did he cope? He turned to God. 
And that brings us to our final example today, and that's the example of Jesus. And here we're going to talk about the storm of the cross. And our text for this example comes from Luke 22, 41 through 44. And so, Chase, if you have that, if you don't mind, if you'll read that for us, and then we want to discuss this together a little bit. Verse 41 says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Powerful language there, you know, used by Luke. Luke was a doctor. Uh, And so understanding this language, of course, he was inspired. But it paints the picture of the physical the mental, the emotional, even the spiritual agony that Jesus was facing. He was most certainly facing a storm. How, how, do, how did he cope with it? What, what jumps out to you from that text and from that language? He went to the cross for us. He never sinned, not once. Right. And yet, what is he doing? He's going to become the sin offering yeah. for us. He's taking the penalty of death. The only person who never deserved to die was Jesus. But he took that penalty for us. What's the penalty for sin? Well, number one, it's physical death, right? Mm -hmm. Way back Mm -hmm. to Genesis uh, chapter 3 with uh, Adam and Eve sinning and and physical death, but even more so spiritual death. Spiritual death, dying because uh, we're separated from God. So Jesus... This is the storm of all storms, and Jesus went through it, and Jesus is wishing, quote-unquote, if you will, that if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me, because it was awful. But he, being God the Son, of course, knew there was no other way, but he's still wishing, if if I can use that term, that there was another way. Mm -hmm. But you know what he says? He says, not my will, your will. Yeah, that's and that's something interesting when you study the Godhead. The Son is always accomplishing the Father's will, mm-hmm. and that's, right. that's really deep to think about. Yeah, it is. Um, he understood he had to accomplish the Father's will. Here's one thing that I, I yes, Jesus had to not sin. If Jesus would have sinned once in Matthew chapter four, when Satan came and tempted him. Three times, with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If he had have sinned once in that moment or any other moment of his life, that would have been it. Yep. We would have been without hope, but he didn't sin. Yes, Jesus had to not sin. But another, on the other side of the coin, maybe we don't think about as much, is Jesus also had to accomplish 100% of the Father's will. He had things that the Father commanded him to obey, um, not sins of of uh, commission kind of things. But what if he would have sinned by omitting the Father's will? Yeah. What if he would have not taught one of the things that he was supposed to teach? What if he would have not been the example on something that he was to be the example on? What if he would have not fulfilled one of the prophecies about him? Mm. He had to fulfill all those things and obey the Father's will. Yeah. Certainly he understood that. 
And so when I think about uh, Hebrews 5 and verse 9, it says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Mm-hmm. He was already sinlessly perfect, but he still had to be perfected in the sense that he had to accomplish all of the Father's will so that he would qualify as our Savior. Yeah. So in this context, in Luke 22, to me, it's all about the fact that he understood the Father's will and he was willing to accomplish the Father's will in spite of the fact that it was going to be a horrendous, agonizing, painful death that he was going to go through and a humiliating humiliating death that he was going to go through on our behalf. Yeah, and you mentioned that, you know, this being the storm of all storms. And for him to the, – this the language there, him being in agony. What did he do when he was in this greatest moment of agony? He prayed more earnestly. There's the example for us. When you face a time, a, a storm, and you don't know how to respond, look at Jesus. What did he do? He prayed more earnestly. And all of these examples that we've studied, every one of them, they turned to God the Father in prayer. And that's what Jesus did. But you, you, you hit the nail on the head. He submitted to the will of God. John eight twenty nine. I do always the things which please the Father. Jesus is the only one that can ever say that. <laughs> He's right. the only one that always, without fail, did the will of the Father, even though it meant he was going to die on the cross. And you right. think about his last words, it is finished, and the power of that statement. What's finished? All the Father's will. He had done it. We go to the garden, and we just try to picture in our minds the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, falling down and having angels come to strengthen him. You know, again, the storm of all storms was the storm of the cross. How did Jesus cope with it? by going to God in prayer. We've emphasized that multiple times throughout this episode. And if our listeners, if they don't get anything else out of this podcast, I hope that they will, you know, everyone will understand when you are trying to cope with a storm of life, whether it's loss, discouragement, death, whatever it is, turn to God. Don't leave God out of the equation. If you try to handle it on your own or you try to go to drugs or or whatever, You'll never find the kind of fulfillment that you need. You'll never find the kind of peace that you need. The only way to find that is to go to God in prayer. And that's Philippians 4, 6 and following. The peace that passes understanding can be ours if we will handle, if we will cope with the storms of life the proper way. So all of these examples bring that out. And Jesus faced all of these storms. He faced the storm of loss. He faced the storm of discouragement. And yes, he faced a storm of death. Thanks be to God, he overcame that. Three days later, he arose, and we have that hope because of him that we can live forever as well. And so these examples from the scriptures are certainly not all the examples, but I believe these four jump out. These are real people who face real storms. Here's how they cope with it, and maybe that'll help us as well. Right, Drew. And, and you mentioned don't turn to drugs or, or alcohol or pornography or anything like that. Right. Don't turn to sinful things. But here's another thing. Don't turn to things that are not sinful. They're good things, but they can't be your savior either. Um, my, I lean on my wife so much, and I love her so much, and my kids and my church even. Um, but I can't turn to them for the ultimate one who can, can help me cope. Now, they can help, but the ultimate one who can help us cope is God. And we must remember to turn to him. That's it, man. Don't leave God out of the equation. And that's, 
that's the overall thing that we want to get across today is trying to cope. And again, that word means just how you deal with or how you attempt to overcome the problems and difficulties of life, how you attempt to do it. Don't try it without God. And so the one final thing we want to do before we close out this episode, we want to share one practical tip with our listeners. And so Chase, what's your one practical tip, your one takeaway? If you have one thing to say to our listeners, this is what can help you cope with the storms of life. What would it be? The one thing that I would say that everybody needs to take away from this uh, in coping is that we're not alone. Yeah. We all have to cope. And because we've got that common ground, every Christian has that common ground that we all have to cope with things. How much more so should we recognize that and help one another bear one another's burdens? Whether it be in that context in Galatians 6 of bearing the the burdens of I'm struggling with sin or whether it be the other kind of burdens, just various bad things happening to us in life. We need to understand we need to bear one another's burdens. And we need to also think, you know, sometimes we think we have it bad and sometimes we do, but look at some of these things that we've looked at today and realize it could be a lot worse. And so be thankful that uh, it's not as bad as, as those guys had it, but also be thankful that, that uh, encountered a joy that we were worthy to suffer some things for the cause of Christ. And that's, and that's a great takeaway for sure. And the one that I want to leave our, our listeners with is keep God first and stay the course. That, that's the phrase I want to leave our, our listeners with. Keep God first and stay the course. And all these examples that we've noticed today, David, Jeremiah, Hezekiah, w- w- no matter what storm they had to face, no matter what they had to go through, physical, emotional, spiritual distress, they kept God first, and they just kept moving forward. And that's what we want to, to, to share with our audience today. 2020 has been a tough year. Uh, who knows what's going to happen the last half of this year. But if you'll do those two things, then you can definitely cope with the storms of life. Chase, I appreciate you so much, man. I appreciate you being with me today and uh, spending time with me. I know you've got a lot going on with the move and with the new baby, uh, but I, I do really appreciate the time you put in to, to study and also the time you share with me today. Yeah, man, any time. I really enjoyed this. This is the first time I've done something like this, but I uh, <laughs> appreciate you and your good work. And I know you're doing a great job there at the church there in Georgia and also working with kids and in, in, um, sports and stuff. Keep up the good work and uh, say, say hey to your family for me. I'll do it. <laughs> and also, this podcast, you very much needed. Um, we all need encouragement facing all these storms that we face. So appreciate you very much. Appreciate you too, man. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. And we hope that this episode in some way will help you to weather the storm.